0: Greetings, and welcome to the Cathartic Yardstick, with your hosts, Ray and Mark. In this episode, your intrepid hosts discuss the fascinating topic of family folklore and legends. You know, I'm kind of upset that Ray wouldn't use the story of my great-uncle. He died in the hospital because we couldn't quite remember what his blood type was. He was such a great guy. As he got weaker, he kept whispering for us to be positive. But, you know, it was kind of hard. He was sick.
1: Uh, welcome to the Cathartic Yardstick Podcast with Ray and Mark. Uh, we've got the Yetis fired up for the first time in uh, several months. Um, Mark's been using the Yeti, but uh, I, uh, I have mine up this time. I- I've missed it, and uh, it's nice to have it back. You don't always need a tight polar pattern. Sometimes the uh, cardioid
0: pattern works quite well. So uh, what are we talking about tonight, Mark? I'm not exactly sure. I think we're talking about family lore, interesting relatives, and stories from the past.
1: Right. It originally started as a a discussion of sloppy holiday stories, but uh, we kind of moved on from that. Yeah. So so now we're going to be talking about family folklore, and I think every family has some stories that you're not really sure sure if they're true or not, and they might have changed over the years. Some are kind of tall tales, some are, you know, involve brushes with celebrities or greatness, but everyone's got a few. It may be something about your family lineage or family history or, you know, related to royalty in Europe or something, but I think everyone's got some of those stories, and hopefully you've brought a few tonight.
0: Um, I can probably bridge the gap.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As usual, I think we're best when we're just winging it.
0: Well, here we are. (laughs) There There we go.
1: (laughs) So, uh, well, then I guess I'll be kicking this off.
0: Okay, why don't you start off?
1: Well, like Senator Elizabeth Warren, our family is supposed to have some Native American heritage, or actually, since it's Canadian, it'd be First Peoples heritage uh, on my father's side. And it's something he was always very proud of, but it was never documented. And it was supposed to be, you know, they came from Canada. And somewhere in the past, we had relatives who were First Peoples. And we're not sure who they were. Uh, We don't have, like I said, no documentation. Last year, we did do the DNA testing. But we've since found out that uh, that doesn't prove anything because uh, none of the First Peoples are in the DNA uh,
0: database. Oh, okay. That might explain it.
1: Yeah, so at first, we were disappointed. We said, oh, no, then it's, it's not true. But then we found out, well... Yeah, it could be. It's just, uh, it's just not the way you find out about that. And and it's not. Re- that's not really what makes someone uh, a member of a tribe is, is their, you know, genetic background. It, it's it's much more involved in that, much deeper. But it it is something that uh, I think my father always kind of identified with, and uh, it was important to him.
0: Now I've got a similar legend on my side of the family but just like you i took the dna test and it showed nothing but that would explain that might explain why but uh what was it what's the indian tribe up there in quebec the micmacs uh
1: that's one of them yep
0: yeah yep. yeah um but it's interesting one of the stories i've heard that uh my grandfather uh passed along his you know when he was up in canada um, working with the lumberjacks. Uh, there are stories of, um, you know, the Indians that would follow the camps, you know, helping do laundry, cooking, heaven knows what else, you know. But they would talk about, uh, you know, occasionally um, a pregnant woman would disappear and return later with a baby strapped to her back and just commence working again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just family lore, who the heck knows if it's true or not. But I've always heard that in the family somewhere, there's some, some Indian...
1: I I wouldn't be surprised if uh, pretty much anyone who came from that, that region, uh, that that's part of the, the family folklore.
0: You know, stunning good looks, you know, just brings <laughs> <pretty> it <sick, yeah. laughs> All right, well. Um, I don't care what my parents will say. <laughs> I'm, in, <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, how about if I fire off another one here? Go ahead. All right. This is on my mother's side of the family now. And this one uh, I know is true because we have the yearbook to prove it. Um, my mother had a radio show in high school. You're kidding me. No, no. She wow. had a radio show. Um, that is pretty cool. It was called Junior Town Meeting on the Air. Uh, she was the producer. She wrote the scripts. Uh, she was on it. It was, wasn't was just her. It was, a, it was like a panel discussion of the news. You need to find recordings of this. I wish there were. I, Wouldn't I it be know. cool? It it would be. Um, I I don't know if if they ever did that sort of thing back then. But what they would do is it was kind of like, you know, um, McLaughlin Group kind of discussion of current events. And they'd all sit around and debate issues. Like one of the ones she remembers very vividly was the debate over whether they should have dropped the second atomic bomb on on Japan. Uh, So it was pretty weighty issues they were talking about. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, so uh, she said that, that was a, you know a big part of her her life in high school was you know writing the scripts, uh, organizing the shows, and I think she really liked being on the air. Uh, another piece of folklore came out of that. After high school, a couple of what would be described in the day as G men showed up at their back door and wanted to recruit her. I guess you know she showed a lot of interest in politics and some political savvy, and I imagine it was probably for some sort of like. CIA, well, CIA didn't exist then, but some sort of intelligence analyst sort of position. Oh, not interesting. Yeah. Huh. But but she said, no, she was going to the convent, and, and she did go to the convent. And uh, But if she hadn't, who knows? She could have been working uh, in intelligence
0: somewhere in the government. That's right. And if she had stayed at the convent, there'd be no co-host for my show. <laughs> That's right. It'd just be you talking to yourself. And- be the cathartic yardstick <laughs> with your host, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm now, what good. What am I talking about tonight? Yeah. How am, how am I? <laughs> I'm good,
1: too. <laughs> I think it's safe to say it'd be half the podcast
0: it is right now. That's right. It would, it would literally be half. On my side, um, I've, got, I've got quirky relatives. My maternal grandmother was incredibly superstitious. And so these great stories, you know, get passed down over time. But uh, one dealt with uh, thunderstorms. She was not particularly good in thunderstorms. I don't know if it was like wrath of God kind of stuff or what. But she would literally go around and sprinkle holy water in each window. And then she would proceed to hide in a closet for the duration of the storm.
1: Wow, that's interesting.
0: And it was only until the end when they moved her out of her apartment. This is after my grandfather died and she stayed in this apartment. But after they moved her out of the apartment, they cleaned out her closet and realized she was hiding where the circuit breakers were. <laughs> Which is richly... Probably the richly, worst place you could be, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then apparently she also had got a bit of a pessimistic streak, hard as it is to believe. But according to my sister... Um, she says with my grandmother, if there was a bird that flew inside the house, that was mm-hmm. a sign somebody was going to die. If a window shade rolled up, that was a sign somebody was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, there was a time where they could see the Northern lights. And so grandma went around crying. It's obviously the end of the world. So that's a negative. There's a negative streak in there.
1: You know, it's interesting. My maternal grandmother was also very superstitious. I don't know if it was a thing with, with uh, the old Canadian ladies, uh, but, uh, one time I was rocking a rocking chair when no one was sitting in it, and she really yelled at me. She said, "Don't do that." One time a kid did that, and then he died.
0: <laughs> so, wow! Ouch! Right. It's like bad luck. You know? Yeah, but you know, it's it's interesting when you mention when you mention something like that. I think it's something we touched on a little bit in the in one of the religion episodes we did and it's just sort of an interesting mental exercise i think for me but if you can wrap your head around concepts of religion and miracles and things like that once you open your mind to that it's kind of a well i guess a slippery slope how would you not believe in ghosts or not believe in the paranormal and so i wonder when you go back to that generation when you know there were just religious statues all over the house and pictures of the pope hanging up and all this kind of stuff whether um you know in their in their minds i mean some were it was a theological belief and other ones were just the the belief in all things greater and we were very tiny and so that opens the door to all kinds of things
1: who knows i think there was a strong belief that there there is something other than us and there was stuff all around them constantly to remind them of it.
0: Right, you know, demons or whatever, you know. Yeah. The devil devils trying to do something.
1: Well, and stuff to ward off the demons. So, Interesting. So
0: what mm-hmm. else you got? What else you got?
1: Well, uh an, another thing my mother talked about uh when she was a kid was uh gypsies, and I'm not sure exactly who they were, but she said gypsies would, would show up at the back door and barter for food.
0: We have gypsies in the United States?
1: Uh you know, back in the in the uh in the thirties, uh, in, in rural Maine. Uh, oh maybe, m- m- maybe there were, uh, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly what their lineage was, hmm. but she said they would show up at the door and they would offer to do some like, you know, work around the house or, you know, like, she, for a while they were, um, I think they were at my grandmother's, uh, sister's farm they'd show up to you and offer to do farm work and you you know you give them some food and she said they would they would give you stuff they like give you baskets that they made or blankets and she said her her mother had this beautiful blanket that was given to her by one of these groups of people
0: oh well so i I wonder if she was just referring to them colloquially as uh, gypsies but they were like vagabonds
1: yeah I, i don't know there, there was a whole, yeah, there's a, that whole, you know, uh, around the Depression, you know, hobos, hobo artwork. Yeah, you know, tent hobos, cities, all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, traveling around, hobo nickels, uh, and I'm using the term historically. I'm not putting down the the homeless or the vagabonds.
0: <laughs> the homeless or the vagabonds, <laughs> huh? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So, let me see. What do I have in the trick box here? Let me open this up. I got a couple of, couple of funny ones. Okay. I got my... Um, uh, a story about my uh, my grandfather, you know, who came down from uh, Canada. And my sister was saying, you know, he'd be, um, you know, amusing the little ones. Supposedly, he had this, he was an incredible tease, you know, with this sense of humor. And he would make our co-host, Mike, cry. And that was his oh. claim to fame. He would oh. frustrate him <laughs> until he started crying. So my mom <laughs> used to say. We'll have to ask him about that next time he's on the show. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you, remember him really spinning you up? But anyways, uh, apparently he had a good sense of humor, and uh, he would cross his legs, sit a baby on his foot. And of course, he had these um, these boots that would go over the ankle and have like white socks underneath. But he'd sing this uh, French song to the kids mm-hmm. about uh, les femmes du Canada, all right? But it, what, the, what the song was all about is, uh, hee-haw, the, the ladies of Canada, their legs are as hairy as old soldiers. <laughs> 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 that was the song he used to oh, sing. Wow, So... Yeah. And then, and then there's my uh, my brother Joe, who was incredibly uh, into mischief. I mean, he was as bad as an adult as, as he was as a kid. but um, you know he uh, he he got his head stuck between two buildings one time, you know, how the buildings were probably further apart at their at the base. Yes. And as yep. you stand up, yep. they drift closer and together. Well, he stuck his head in at the bottom. Then he went to stand up and he got his head wedged between two buildings. And that called a, that required a call to the authorities to have him um, extricated. Extricated, yes. Yeah. Get the jaws of life out. And then and then my <laughs> sister told me a couple stories I'd never even heard of before. But uh, one time in Lancaster Street in Gohose, he just like vanished. And uh, after they searched for him, couldn't find him anywhere, they called the police and uh, they've found him uh, hiding in the back hall with a box of Freihoffers chocolate chip cookies <laughs> that have been delivered early in the day. Wow. And then uh, the other story with him, what I can see him doing is uh, my grandmother, the superstitious one, had a big thermometer on her back porch that was leaking mercury, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so somebody had told him that that was poison, and so of course trust but verify. So he. <laughs> He stuck some in his mouth. And then as my mother is like freaking out, trying to figure out what to do, he's walking around telling people, I ate poison. I'm going to die. I ate poison. I'm going to die. So it's um, no wonder my mom was tough. I guess you'd have to be. Yep. So that's not more. Yeah. It's just goofy family yeah. stories. Yeah. What else you got? Uh, I, I got a bunch
1: of them. Um, wow. Uh, my grandfather, my uh, maternal grandfather. Now, I have a confession to make. I am not entirely hundred percent Canadian. <gasps> Three of my gran- grandparents were Canadian. One was not. One was uh, German and Scottish, and he came from Brooklyn. There's some lore about how he met my grandmother, but we'll, we'll get into that, that maybe in another show. Uh, but anyway, yeah his uh, his father came from uh, from Saxony. His mother came from Scotland. He was a big guy. He played football for Erasmus Hall, which is uh, a big private school on Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn, just north of Coney Island. And the years he was there would have been around the same time that Mo Howard went there. So oh, it wow. is, theoretically, my grandfather could have met Moe before wow. Moe was in the Three Stooges.
0: Oh. So it could have been your grandfather who thought up the, yeah, wise guy, huh? <laughs> I, I don't yuck, know. Knowing, yuck,
1: yuck. <laughs> knowing my grandfather, I don't think that was him. You don't think so? Oh, well. Yeah. It was pretty much just business. Oh, well, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. That's very cool.
1: Okay. Oh, all right. Here's another, here's another story on the, the German side of the family. Um, I had an uncle who I never met. His name was Hermann Riggleman. And he was an artist who did the artwork for the inside of cigar
0: boxes cigar boxes
1: okay, if you can believe it Yeah,
0: congratulations by the way
1: thank you i i really i kind of wound that one up a little bit just to I can tell you you've sure. been practicing i have i have <laughs> <laughs> which is it's funny i'm surrounded by them and i can't say them what are you gonna uh, do yeah so yeah herman was an artist who who did cigar boxes Wow. uh i i've Googled it and tried to find anything online about it, but but I haven't been able to see anything. but all right, since since we're talking about uncles, I have another uncle who um, who died before I had a chance to meet him, and that was Uncle Alphonse. and Uncle Alphonse, this is on my mother's side of the family now. Alphonse Cote, who was a French Canadian opera singer who lived in the United States. Uh, it's unclear if he was born in Canada or the United States. I have it both ways uh, looking through the history. But he was married to the niece of the first French-speaking prime minister of Canada. That was his first wife. My aunt was his second wife. Hmm. And he—he he actually was a recording artist. I have one of his records framed and hanging up in the living room, uh, in French. Uh, and he started an opera company uh, in the twin cities of Auburn and Lewiston, Maine. And was also choir director and organist at uh, at one of the uh, churches up there.
0: Very cool. Yeah, you've got some amazing family history and lore on both sides. Some podcast worthy, some perhaps not. Although I'd love it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, you I got, know.
0: You got you got some like record setters where I, I just got a part in my hair. <laughs> it's like <laughs> how could how can anybody ever beat that? That's like a novel. It's like a movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see what makes we'll see. Uh, makes it off the cutting room floor here.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll see someday. I got one. Okay, go. This is just this is just a goofy story, and then I'm I'm just about uh, just about out of Schlitz here. <laughs> okay, but um, you know when you're
1: is, you're out of Schlitz, you're out of beer.
0: Yeah, you're out of beer. Yeah. Uh, of course, younger people would go Schlitz. What's that? But anyways, um, this one just cracked me up. Just because I think I told you as I was going through family photos, it really struck me. Um, old Catholic, like incredibly. There's just icons all over the house, you know. What I mean, mementos all over the house, um, statues and pictures, and like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize they were that religious, you know, or I don't know if they they were that religious or just hung a lot of religious stuff because that's what their parents taught them or what. But it was kind of funny. My uh, my my grandfather on my dad's side, and once he was here in the USA, um, he was working as a church um, sexton, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, he really had to stretch his pennies because they had a, they had a big family, and so <laughs> he's standing at the back of the church, wondering how he's going to make ends meet for the week, and the priest is giving a sermon. Uh, I guess out of uh, I think I think it's out of Matthew, but it's just the idea about don't worry about money, you know, because God will provide. And you look look at the birds of the sky. They oh yeah, toil, yep. they toil not, yet Lord feeds them my mm-hmm. sister says, not in a whisper, grandfather's at the back of the church. He goes, yeah, they eat horse shit too. <laughs> Which you can imagine with the echo. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's like, nothing from the peanut gallery, please. Is there something you want to share with everyone? <laughs> no, I thought not.
1: All right. Um, well, I, I could go on and on and, and I probably will. So, I, I've, got a few, I've got a few more. I mean, this is, this is live radio.
0: It is, and hopefully we haven't lost our, our audience. Um, but no, uh, I, I know everybody's been spending a week going, gosh, I hope they talk about their relatives. That's almost something exciting as showing I mean, vacation slides. I mean, we don't get to be this interesting just falling out of the sky. I mean, you have to build. It's like it's like successive generations of progressively more interesting people until you culminate with a cathartic yardstick with your hosts, Ray and Mark.
1: That's right. Oh, and by the way, that's catharticyardstick.com. Uh, check us out. Uh, subscribe. Well, we can't you can you can follow us. You can follow us. You got to really want to. Yeah, on uh, on Twitter and
0: uh, Instagram. And we're working on iTunes. And if you have suggested topics, let us know. Now seriously now. I want you to do this. Because odds are if one of you suggests something, we're liable to do it. We will. No matter how inappropriate it may be, we will discuss oh, it. Please make it inappropriate. That's fun. <laughs> Ray gets all red. Yeah. It's like, oh, we can't. <laughs> oh, Think about the children. Think about that children. <laughs> Alright, um, Uncle, Uncle
1: who? Uncle, Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo. My okay. father's older brother. My father only had one sibling. His, his older brother, Leo, who was four years older. Uh, they were both in the army in World War II, and Leo was a Tail gunner on a B-24.
0: Ooh, tough job. Scary job.
1: Scary. And he was involved in Operation Tidal Wave, which was the bombing of the Romanian oil fields on August 1st, 1943, which was a disastrous operation. They lost 53 aircraft and 660 crewmen. Wow. Uh, So it's amazing he survived. And the whole time he was in the Army, uh, Leo told my grandparents that he was an ambulance driver, so they wouldn't worry. Wow. Wow. So, the whole time he was there, they had no idea what he
0: was doing. Yeah, the turret gunner was so, um, the ball turret gunner is such a fragile position. If you lost hydraulics, you were stuck there. Yeah. And so, if you also lost your landing gear, um, goodbye. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you are the landing gear. <laughs> well,
1: pretty much all, all the, 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 the machine gun positions on a, a bomber, you're, you're at the spots where the fighters are coming at you. You're yeah you're in all the vulnerable positions on the uh, on the aircraft, so it, it was a tough job and you know it's I was thinking about it if you're in in the one of the turrets or uh, or in in one of the ball positions, all the smoke's coming off that gun. I mean all those cartridges are firing off, and I can't imagine how loud and how smoky and yeah. how hard to breathe that would be and th- those planes weren't pressurized, so you're just hanging out there in, in freezing cold weather. Uh, in a little chamber full, filled with smoke and brass, hot brass, <laughs> yeah, going all the way around, it's you. flying out, right? And oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I just can't imagine what that was
0: like. Yeah, not very pleasant. I feel a little exposed, dangling out there in plexiglass. And
1: there's Messerschmitts coming
0: up uh, on your tail, and they're mad. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're firing at you because you're bombing their houses. You want? You want to hear about my grandfather's hat? <laughs> <laughs>
1: grandpa's hat i it's mean, like a song
0: i hate, I, <laughs> I hate to go from the gravity of being a ball turret gunner getting shot at by messerschmitts to somebody who's very fastidious about their hat <laughs> yeah apparently my uh my mom's dad um also was an avid cigar smoker so apparently everything in the house was stored in cigar boxes was it really interesting enough yeah That's what my sister says, which says um, he was also very meticulous about his hat, and the kids all knew that uh, nobody could touch it, and he was always spending time straightening it before putting it on his head. You know, that was his prized possession. One time, they all went to church with him on Sunday, and somebody sat on his hat. (laughs) So they said, you know, they know you're not supposed to laugh, but they had a whole family with tears running down their faces. <laughs> it was like <laughs> poor grandpa spending so much time trying to fix the poor hat. Not There's nothing about hot brass or Smiths in that one, but it's funny. All right. Another story.
1: Uh, and a lot of these are uncle stories. Uh, uncle Carmeg with the wooden leg. Ooh. Uh, this is one of my father's, uh, father's uncles. And... Uh, Uncle Carmy was about the same age as my father, maybe a few years older. Um, my great grandparents had nine kids and my father was the son of the oldest and his aunt Lena was the youngest and Uncle Carmi was married to Lena. So uh, he and his aunt and uncle that, you know, Lena and Carmy, uh, my father's aunt and uncle were about the same age as he was. And, my father was really shy about meeting, because uh, this, this gets into how my parents met. My father was very shy about meeting girls, and Carmi was always trying to hook him up with girls, because he was always afraid to ask people out. And Carmi worked in construction uh, in New Britain, uh, Tilcon Tomaso, this big sand and gravel pit. And one day he was backing one of the rigs down off of this big pile, and it rolled over. And he got thrown out, and the rig rolled over on his leg, crushed it, he had to have his leg removed. So he's in the hospital, the same hospital where my mother was a student nurse. And uh, he, I guess at the time you could smoke in the hospital. (laughs) And he uh, needed to fix his cigarette lighter. The wick had gone out. So he was trying to put in a new wick and it it wouldn't, he couldn't get the wick in. So my father was trying to fix it. And he said, "Why, I really need some scissors because I I can't get this into the the little mounting hole. So my mother walks by and and Carmi says, hey, ask, ask her, maybe she's got some scissors. So my father asked her, if if he could borrow her scissors, so my my mother gets him some scissors, and uh, you know he's trimming the wick and, and putting it in. And while while she's there, originally Uncle Carmine was going to set her uh, set him up with somebody else on that shift. But since my mother was there, he said, "Hey, why don't you ask her out in front of everybody?"
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> so
1: so my father did ask her. I said, "Well, you know when you get off your shift, why don't we go down and get a cup of coffee?" And they did, and that's how my parents met. Well, isn't that interesting? Wow! Yeah. But as kids, we loved Uncle Crane with the wooden leg. We used to go and knock on it. And, you know, he had a prosthetic oh, leg. <laughs> I, mean, I remember he was taking a nap and the leg was standing up in a corner in the room, which, you know, if you're, if you're five years old,
0: that's just the coolest thing in the world. So I take it he had a good sense of humor about it? He he was great. Yes. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that was a heck of a generation, you know, going straight from the Depression into World War II. So it was like, Going from sacrifice to danger and sacrifice, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember great stories from my mom you know, talking about like gohos and upstate New York. But she was talking about how like you know the whole family really lived close to each other, and um, in the days of World War II. You'd have, you know, air raid wardens uh, who you'd have a drill where you had this thick fabric you'd block off the windows with. And the whole idea was um, if any German pilots made it over to the East Coast, they couldn't use light to navigate. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to just have blackout conditions and the air raid warden would come around to make sure that no light was escaping from your windows. But I remember hearing about Victory Gardens and about how everybody had, you know, brothers and sons that were off to war. And so you would have, like, a blue star in the window if you had a son serving. If he got wounded, it would go red. And then uh, if he died, it would be a gold star. Um, and so it's just interesting, a very different time. Like now, I think relatively few people are really connected with the military. But back then, it was uh, common to, to have folks in the military. So interesting time. Yeah, winning World War II was
1: pretty much a national effort. I mean, I think everyone pitched in. Uh, you know rationing uh
0: rubber drives uh, metal drives it just uh it's something everyone did that's right, and then you had the whole industrial base that was uh you know basically federalized so like car manufacturers would manufacture a 1941 car, but they're not going to manufacture cars again until 1945. And, you know, in the meantime, they're manufacturing planes and tanks and things like that. As a matter of fact, if you want to write in, you ought to get ready to do a show on the defense industrial base. Could we do have total immobilization today with international companies and whatnot? Mm. there's a topic
1: that's a fascinating what, topic
0: would you hit me with when i suggested that one? you said Why don't you do something in accounting or something <laughs> 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 trying to kill your audience yeah the defense industrial base well i think it's interesting <laughs> you know because now you've got you know fiat chrysler you know it's like well what would you do if you went to war with italy you know or you know it's what do you do seize the american side of it i mean how would it all work yeah i don't know They're all international companies now there's so few companies Yep, yeah, like, and we're uh, more of a service economy than we are manufacturing, so it's a very different time. How would we do it? I don't How know. Would we do it. I don't know. Well, there we go. We've officially hit the wall at thirty-six minutes. Thirty-six
1: minutes, thirty-two seconds. By the time you're listening to this, this will be edited down, and we will be at about
0: minute fifteen. Do you want do you <laughs> want to hear sounds of the bridge of the Enterprise again? <laughs> Let's do that. Mr. Ray, please check long-range scanners.
1: Captain, there's Klingons off the port bow.
0: (laughs) So what other goofy stuff do we have? Those
1: of you still listening who want us to stop, you can email us right now.
0: That's right, and we're bound to pick up on it. I'm sorry, that was a bulletin from our New York affiliate. Wow, color, color
1: presentation. (laughs) (laughs) That was a big deal, things in color. Uh, That was a selling point, you know?
0: Yeah, like Batman, Voyage to the Bottom Sea, how crazy the colors were. Yeah. You know, just to emphasize how brilliant all the colors were.
1: Because uh, it didn't happen all at once. Uh, it, you know, and it was that old issue of uh, they had to advertise the color to sell the color TVs because what came first, the TV or the content, and the content did not switch over all at once.
0: I, I do remember uh, that frustrating feeling when they're introducing their shows in living color and you're looking at a black and white TV set. Hey, Dad, when are you going to spring for a yeah. color TV? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a big deal. Yeah. So what else you got?
1: Uh, some of my family members went back to Canada. They, you know, a lot of the family migrated, uh, like between 1880 and 1910. And they went and back in the 30s. Some just weren't happy here and went back. Wow. And they're living just north of Montreal in Joliet,
0: Quebec. Now that's spooky because that's exactly where my dad came from, Joliet. Oh, really? Yeah. Went to school and everything up there. Oh, well, that's where my family is. That's very interesting. They probably you, knew each other. You, you, they might have. I mean, there's probably like six people up there, so they had to know each other. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, like it's pretty small they're probably town. They're probably related. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We're cousins. We're <laughs> <laughs> cousins. 42 minutes, 11 seconds. There's more. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I, I almost drowned as as
1: a child. No. Came very close. Ooh. We were we were at Long Lake in Bridgeton, Maine. I think it was in fourth grade. And we, we used to rent a cottage for like a week or two during shop shutdown. And we'd go up there, and there was a little beach, and there was a really sharp drop-off. And it was right about where the water was from neck level. And if you just took a step back at the wrong time, all of a sudden you're in water over your head. Now, I was used to swimming in backyard pools, and I could swim. But this one time I was out there, and my father would just like sit on this little jetty near, near the beach and just kind of keep an eye on us. And I was way out there. And I just remember all of a sudden, I don't know if there was like just a little bit of wave or something, but all of a sudden my foot slipped, and I was in over my head, and I was starting to go under. And it I could have easily just you know swam back to shore and it would have been you know but i I panicked and i was starting to panic and i think that's what gets you when you drown is you just panic and luckily i I didn't make any noise my father just happened to notice that i was in trouble and he just uh did a running dive into the water and came out and got and got me and brought me
0: in but it was close i was uh i was pretty close to going under wow once again it was a close shave to me doing this podcast alone well that's scary well, I'm glad you made it.
1: Well, thanks. It's it's, ni- it's nice to be here.
0: Gosh, college would have been so much more boring. Yeah, yeah, and I, I never would have been. You never would have been. I never would have oh, gone what? to college. Holy cow! Never would have had keys thrown at me. <laughs> no. <laughs> we should do. We should tell those stories sometime. I think we shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> have to do some editing. <laughs>
1: You've been listening to the legendary Cathartic Yardstick Podcast. Join us again.
0: We now return you to your regularly scheduled broadcast.